Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide. It's August 3rd, and we are delighted to have you with us sharing the adventure of reading through the entire Bible in a year. My name is David McAdam, your host, and no matter who you are or where you are, whether you have been with us from January 1st or you are jumping on board today, you are in for a ride and you will reap positive dividends, God willing, by joining us on this excursion. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. Although written by over 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years, there is a stunning consistency and a unifying theme in these 66 books. In the Bible, we have the revelation of God's will pertaining to the redemption of lost, sinful human beings, with the promised Redeemer at the center of the revelation. When Jesus of Nazareth was raised from the dead after being crucified and buried, he met disciples on the road to Emmaus and pointed out how the writings of Moses and the Torah and the writings of the prophets and the Psalms spoke of the things concerning himself. Jesus made this claim again when he spoke to the religious leaders of his day in John chapter 5, verses 39-40. through 40. He said, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me so that you might have life. God's word is given to us that we might come to know the one true God and his redeeming work through the person of his Son and receive the gift of forgiveness of sins and a new eternal life. That is a deathless life in him. The Apostle John writes at the end of his gospel, These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. We are in the book of Second Chronicles in the Old Testament today, and we will read of the rule of King Josiah of Judah. And also today we will complete the book of Romans in the New Testament. And what a great epistle this has been to read, as it unpacks the good news of God's redeeming work that is available to all those who believe. So let's get started with our Old Testament reading. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We humble ourselves before you and ask that you would speak to us through this time together, illuminating our heart's understanding, fortifying our faith, and granting us wisdom to make the right decisions in our walk with you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 33 is where we are today, and we are picking up where we left off yesterday with verse 14. And we are reading about the reign of King Manasseh of Judah. 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 14. Afterward, he built an outer wall for the city of David west of Gihon in the valley and for the entrance into the fish gate and carried it around Ophel and raised it to a very great height. He also put commanders of the army in all the fortified cities in Judah. And he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside of the city. He also restored the altar of the Lord, and offered on it sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving, and he commanded Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer to God and the words of the seer who spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, they are in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And his prayer, and how God was moved by his entreaty, and all his sin and his faithlessness, and the sites on which he built high places and set up the Asherim and the images before he humbled himself, behold, they are written in the chronicles of the seers. 
So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his house, and Ammon his son reigned in his place. Ammon's Reign and Death Ammon was twenty-two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. Ammon sacrificed to all the images that Manasseh his father had made and served them. And he did not humble himself before the Lord as Manasseh his father had humbled himself. But this Ammon incurred guilt more and more. And his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his house. But the people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. Chapter 34 Josiah Reigns in Judah Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty-one years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father, and in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim and the carved and metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and he cut down the incense altars that stood above them, and he broke in pieces the Asherim and the carved and the metal images, and he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the Asherim and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. The Book of the Law Found now in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Maasiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. They came to Hilkiah, the high priest, and gave him the money that had been brought into the house of God, which the Levites, the keepers of the threshold, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim, and from all the remnant of Israel, and from all Judah and Benjamin, and from the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they gave it to the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord. And the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord gave it for repairing and restoring the house. They gave it to the carpenters and the builders to buy quarried stone and timber for binders and beams for the buildings that the kings of Judah had let go to ruin. And the men did the work faithfully. Over them were set Jehath and Obadiah, the Levites, of the sons of Marari, and Zechariah and Meshulam, of the sons of the Kohathites, to have oversight. The Levites, all who were skillful with instruments of music, were over the burden-bearers, and directed all who did work in every kind of service, and some of the Levites were scribes and officials and gatekeepers. While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Shaphan brought the book to the king and further reported to the king 
all that was committed to your servants they are doing. They have emptied out the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have given it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read from it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Abdon the son of Micah, Shaphan the secretary, and Asaiah the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So Hilkiah and those whom the king had sent went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokhath, son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and spoke to her to that effect. And she said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book that was read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and its inhabitants, and you have humbled yourself before me, and have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites, all the people both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin join in it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel, and made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament in the book of Second Chronicles. And now, as is our custom, we step back and we reflect upon what we have just read. In Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 14, we see some of the fruits of Manasseh's repentance that occurred in Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 13. Not only did Manasseh have a newfound conviction to rebuild and fortify the walls of Jerusalem, but he got rid of the foreign gods and idols in the temple. He restored the altar of the Lord to true worship. 
As wicked as Manasseh was, his spiritual turnaround illustrates how ready God is to forgive when people repent and turn to him in faith. However, the people still compromised their obedience. They worshipped the right God, but not in the right way. They worshipped Yahweh, but not on his terms. They did what was right in their own eyes, offering sacrifices in their self-styled ceremonies in the high places, irrespective to the revealed will of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 17. Manasseh is succeeded by his son, Ammon, who came to the throne when he was 22 years old. Ammon took on all the bad habits of his father's pre-conversion days, offering sacrifices to the idols his father had made. Ammon's officials conspired against him and assassinated him in the palace after a two-year reign. Ammon was succeeded by his son, Josiah, who was only eight years old when he became king. At sixteen, he began to seek the Lord. At the age of twenty, he spearheaded spiritual reformation in Jerusalem. Jeremiah began his ministry when Josiah was twenty-one years old. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 2. At the age of twenty-six, Josiah began the work of repairing the temple. It was in the process of making the temple repairs that the book of the law was discovered by Hilkiah the priest. Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan the secretary. When the king heard the scriptures being read to him, he tore his clothes. He recognized how far the people had turned away from the Lord. Josiah inquired of the Lord through the prophetess Huldah as to what the prognosis was for the kingdom. Huldah told Josiah of the coming judgment, but also prophesied Josiah merciful personal deliverance from the trouble through an early death. God's mercy would be evident by the Lord calling him to be with himself rather than allowing him to live to experience the grievous judgment of the Babylonian conquest. Josiah continues the work of the Lord even when the people are unresponsive and judgment upon the nation is inevitable. It is an encouraging example for us today. We are to get on with the Great Commission even if many we speak to may prove to be unresponsive. Josiah's leadership made an impact, but it was not dependent upon his policies being popular. Josiah removed all the abominations from all the lands belonging to the sons of Israel and made all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God. Throughout his lifetime, they did not turn from following the Lord God of their fathers. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 33. Moving on to our next stop in our Bible tour, we come to the New Testament book of Romans, which we will complete today. Romans chapter 16, and we will start with verse 8. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodion. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. 
For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good, and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory for evermore, through Jesus Christ. Amen. And this concludes today's portion from the New Testament, and it concludes our reading of Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Now let's take a few moments to recap. In Romans chapter 16, we see Paul's love for the body of Christ. He has an appreciation for the individual members of the local church in Rome and honors their unique contributions. He treasures their ministries and respects the variety of contexts for their gatherings. In the home, in verse 5, in the city, in verse 1, in the region, in verse 5, and for all the churches of Christ, in verse 16. He appreciates their hard work in verse 12 and the impact that they made in his own life personally in verses 3 and 13. Wouldn't you have loved to have known these brothers and sisters whom Paul was greeting in this chapter? Paul concludes his letter with some quick-fire admonitions. He warns them to be on the alert for divisive brothers and sisters and to watch out for teaching that is contrary to the Apostles' doctrine. Sandwiched between these greetings is the promise of good things to come. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Romans 16, verse 20. Do you have the confidence in the gospel that Paul had? Have we owned the gospel to the degree that we can say that this gospel of God's Son is our gospel? Are you identified with this message? Do people know that this is the gospel that you stand for and share with others? The gospel of God that is centered in the person and work of His Son? Now to Him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. The next stop on our Bible reading tour is the book of Psalms. We'll be reading Psalm 26 today, and I have the special joy of having Keith Thomas with us here. Keith has a wonderful resource available on the internet, groupbiblestudy.com. There you can find free resources, Bible studies in many different languages, free Bible studies and meditations are available and can be delivered by email. Keith and his wife Sandy were in the church that I pastored in England many years ago, 
and they also took classes in our training school of ministry. So here we go, Psalm 26, read by Keith Thomas. A Psalm of David, Psalm 26. I will bless the Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly I will bless the Lord. Thank you, Keith. Here is a psalm worth meditating upon. Do feel free to make these kinds of prayer requests. Vindicate me, examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. What about these habits? Are you wise about the company you keep? In verse 4 and 5, do you just go through the motions when you gather for worship with God's people, or do you praise God from the heart? In verses 6 through 8, my feet stand on level ground. Calvary levels us all to the same place where we are utterly dependent upon the Lord for our salvation. This is where corporate worship is most vital. We recognize our unity in the merciful redemption provided by God's amazing grace. We are all equally in need of Calvary's mercy. Jesus Christ's finished work of redemption. My foot stands on a level place. In the congregations I shall bless the Lord. Psalm 26, verse 12. Now for our final stop, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 19. And let's see what wisdom nugget there is for us. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. The first part of the verse tells us what the gossip loves to do, reveal secrets about others. But we should not associate with a gossip for this very reason. If they are willing to talk to you about others, they will be just as willing to talk to others about you. Would you join me now in prayer? Lord, give us the resolve of King Josiah and his contemporary, the prophet Jeremiah, who persevered doing right according to your word, even when they knew others would be unresponsive. We live unto you. May we honor your word, not as hearers only, but as doers. And may we consciously recognize your powerful presence and encourage others to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, congratulations on finishing another book of the New Testament. Tomorrow we will start on the book of 1 Corinthians and continue our journey through Second Chronicles and the Psalms and Proverbs. We hope that this podcast coaches you to be consistent in Bible reading and that you will hunger and thirst for God's Word, for it certainly is the bread of life and the water of life. 
to those who believe. And if you have any comments or questions we'd love to hear from you, you can write us by email addressed to podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its many ministries, or if you would like a written copy of our Bible commentary, that is freely available at our website, newlife.org. So until next time, I heartily commend you to the grace of God and the word of His grace. Shalom. Shalom.